0: Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. All month long, the Aladdin Theater is celebrating their favorite bee movies of all time. This weekend is dedicated to Queen of the Bees herself, Lily Cavanaugh-Sawyer. Get your tickets for Death's Darling, Blaze, and Last Train to Hangtown. I've got tickets for all three because there's no way I'm missing a chance to see the Queen rule her territory. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. Benjamin Graham.
1: What's up, constant readers?
0: And today we are covering the never-ending story. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: actually, <laughs> so close. <laughs> yeah,
0: kind of. That's what I kept thinking. But we are actually covering the talisman where we will be talking about the events through the chapter wolf and josh is leading our discussion
3: i sure am quick shout out to edward serbone for selecting this for our patreon selection series Yay. this is one of those books that i've wanted to do on the show so the fact that somebody else wanted it enough that they wanted it for patreon i'm super excited i've read this once before how many times and how long ago have you guys read it
0: same and it was probably like late uh, high school like late late teens early mm. 20s area
3: yeah uh
1: i read it in high school as well but apparently i had also listened to the audiobook before at some point because when i went to audible to download the audiobook i already had it, <laughs> yes. and it was finished. <laughs> so
0: uh,
1: bonus yeah so,
0: ben what do you think of the audiobook guy Uh, Frank Mueller? Every sentence that he delivers Uh, in exactly this cadence.
1: I I have a different perception of Frank Mueller's Mm -hmm. voice because I always listen to audiobooks on one and a half to two times speed. (laughs) It makes a huge difference. Personally, I like Frank Mueller a lot. I I think he has a good voice for, for King Books. Yeah.
0: He's very controlled. He just. It's the same cadence it, every time. I prefer reading this. I'm reading, for some reason lately, I've been reading and listening to all of our books. I, I don't know why.
1: That's
3: <laughs> what a crazy person would oh, do.
0: Yeah, things have been weird lately.
3: Yeah,
2: that, that, that all
3: tracks. Am I alone in forgetting that the beginning chunk of this book is real slow and repetitive? Am I, not, am I alone here?
1: I think it, it does take a little bit to pick up. But it's just the nature of a fantasy
3: story. That's, yeah. I think. It's very um, Lord of the Rings with like the world building and really taking its time that way. All right. Well, let's dive into the talisman. So it is September in 1981. We meet Jack Sawyer, a.k.a. Traveling Jack, who is 12 years old and staying at the Alhambra Inn and Gardens in New Hampshire with his mom. Lily Kavanaugh Sawyer, the queen of the bees, having been a movie star for two decades, and his dad, Philip, died in a hunting accident a few years prior. His uncle, Morgan Sloat, his father's former business partner, has been calling nonstop, so Lily has taken them from California to New York, and finally to here, New Hampshire, where Jack Sawyer believes the noiseless passivity of this place is killing him. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Traveling Jack, guys, what are your thoughts right off the top? Uh, well,
1: honestly, my first thoughts aren't for the the characters; it's for the setting. Yeah, because the Alhambra becomes kind of important. It's our first view of the the twin nature of our world, my territories. It just feels like the end of the world. Yeah, like it, like, yeah. it feels like you're right up against the cliffs of well the sea which they are <laughs> literally but it just feels so desolate and empty because it's this like summer town that they have come to in the in the winter months or in the fall when whenever it is it reminds me a lot of uh fun world yeah
3: mm-hmm. absolutely jack is he's dealing with the fact that he feels like his whole world is falling apart. His mom's not telling him what's going on. We find out that his his uncle, well, not really his uncle, but a guy he calls his uncle Tommy, uh, died in a hit and run.
0: The I'm sorry the which- <laughs> <laughs> the way he, that is foreshadowed or why well, it's not even foreshadowed.
3: The way it's just dropped.
0: It was it was really cool reading though because he he thinks about his uncle Tommy and then like the author's note is. Well, he would find out in a few hours that at that moment, Uncle Tommy was dead. Was <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, here we go.
1: It This whole first chapter feels so jumbled, like Jack feels, mm-hmm. like he feels lost. And it's all of this exposition being dumped on you all at once. And it makes you feel that, like, kind of dreamy loneliness that he feels.
0: His relationship with his mom, though, the type of mom she is, feels like a kind of what you... Immediately imagine when you think of a single mom who has—it's mm-hmm. just been her and her kid the whole time. She's yeah, there. She kind of treats him like another
1: adult. They're and, like the Hartsfords. Yeah, I, I oh. totally. What? <laughs> no, did I read that wrong? The Harts, the Hartsfields, the. the, the <laughs> is, Which my thing of a different.
0: You're mentioning Brady and. Deborah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Am we I, am I that. remembering that book wrong? Or <laughs> it's been a while,
3: guys. What are we talking What's about? Funny is that I also drew a parallel to uh, another terrible family, and it was Todd Bowden and his mom. What? The, <laughs> okay. I'm being entirely you guys. facetious. <laughs> I am I am just fucking
2: around
3: what just, the the casual like if Jack had called his mom uh, Monica baby, I would have been like, yeah, all right. <laughs> the, yeah the, that's ca- fair. the casual like that that's uh, way more fair than the thing I said <laughs> uh, And Jack is feeling alone until he meets uh, Speedy Parker, who is the the maintenance guy here at the Alhambra. And their relationship is very, uh, very simple at first. Like, at first, it's just this person makes Jack feel like he's not alone. And really, that's all Jack needs right now. And he's met Speedy. He had a a quick interaction with him and liked him a lot. And then the next day, he has, like, a big panic attack. And this is the first real mystical thing we get in this book where... The sand beneath his feet starts swirling around mm-hmm. and <laughs> opening, and a voice comes out and tells him that Tommy's false teeth flew out of his head when he was hit by the van. And he full on freaks out, as we all would. Makes
0: sense. <laughs> but
3: Speedy is the person that he wants to talk to about this. And I thought that was really interesting. The, that portal weirded me out something <laughs> awful. Because
1: yeah. it took me a minute to realize whether it was being literal or not Mm -hmm. yes and yeah it's being it's being literal a big portal is opening up in the sand
0: (laughs) i'm not trying to do a shameless plug but this whole first section as we're getting to know this place and jack and his mom and speedy actually reminds me of our girl underground rpg on our patreon
3: a little bit did you do
0: that on purpose no okay not at all it's Mm -hmm. very that You guys created those characters. That world that you built is the twinner of this book.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That is an aggressively unfair compliment. I don't deserve (laughs) that. Uh, Obviously, he doesn't wait for the portal to suck him in. He just sprints off Mm -hmm. and tears through the the hotel like a madman. But he has a a memory of when he was seven years old and almost kidnapped. But we're going to put a pin in that and come back to it Mm -hmm. a bit later.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he he ends it with like, oh, yeah, those guys, they probably didn't turn into monsters <laughs> no. like I remember. And you're like, wait, hold on.
3: Go back to that. And, and then he just moves on. And this is the moment where I realized because I was on kind of the same page with you, Ben, of was this sand devil a real thing or not? And this is when he realizes that the voice that was talking to him was Morgan Sloat's. Do you guys want to take a shot at describing Morgan Sloat?
0: A real piece of shit <laughs> he's we don't really know hardly anything about him until a little bit later in yeah this. he is jack's deceased father's business partner they went to college together and he's described as just this guy that nobody really understood or liked and, and we'll talk about it more i'm sure but jack's dad philip somehow makes this friendship with him And they end up just really sticking it out together and forming this agency. They represent actors and stuff, different talents. And Morgan is kind of, we're led to believe he's like more of the business end driving force. Like he's got the mind for we have a company, we have to have profits. And that's sort of his end while Jack's dad took care of more of the people side of things. Mm
3: -hmm. There's a, a quote, I didn't write it down and I should have, that was... When he describes Morgan Sloat, he says something to the effect of he was the kind of person that never believed defeat ever needed to be gracious. I was like yeah yeah all right and
0: that is the perfect way to describe him as we interact with him more and more throughout yeah, yeah
1: we we come to learn how fucking ruthless he is it is not until later but the story of how he's talking about how proud he is of the work he's done mm. and his example is uh just being a slum lord
2: yeah yep.
1: its this dude sucks. Jeez, he's the fucking worse. Maybe my least favorite king villain yet. Really? Because he's a landlord.
0: <laughs> do you remember when I've commented on The Mist and how Mrs. Carmody's character fills me with rage that I can barely deal with? And sometimes yeah. I just have to stop and walk <laughs> away and do something else. This book has a lot of those things in it. And not in a bad way, but just people and circumstances that you're like, king just wants to hurt me (laughs)
1: yeah this is him at peak just writing shitty people It is amazing
3: i fucking love it (laughs) uh but the opposite of shitty people speedy jack seeks out speedy after all this because he's not sure he's not sure how speedy can help but he knows Speedy can.
0: I really like the first, like you guys are right, this book does take its time, but at the same time, we have some really crazy stuff in it, like instantly. Mm. And Speedy is one of those things because the way that Jack takes to him so quickly and just, it's like he has this intuition that he can trust this guy and he should seek him out is, I don't know, it's just a cool bit. It was was one of the first times when I was reading King as like, I think more aware of his world building than I ever had been before this was that book for me
3: and Speedy gives the impression well we get evidence a bit later that he there's a reason that Jack should feels feel a little way. bit familiar to mm-hmm. him but he runs up and finds Speedy and Speedy calls him traveling Jack's first time we get that nickname and he calls him that and it feels kind of familiar to him and he really likes it uh, and he's like follow me We're, we'll go have a chat and on the way he riffs a song <laughs> that is, what is the adventure to come is going to be. At this point, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Because the song is about how he has to return to California and return again and save the kingdom. Uh, but the, it doesn't make any sense to Jack.
1: Yeah, the Speedy uh, Parker is the Gandalf of this yes. story. He's the inciting incident that he goes, hey, you, you got to get out of here. Adventure's afoot.
0: And that's about all the information he gives him despite having much Seriously? more
1: information yes. than that. He straight out <laughs> is like, hey, I'm going to tell you all I can except for the stuff I can't
3: uh, deal with it.
0: <laughs> Even just explaining currency would have been nice.
3: Yeah. <laughs> fact, when, he, when he eventually tells him about the talisman and he's like, I don't know what a talisman is. And Speedy's response is the 80s version of Google it. I don't Like that's essentially yes. how he responds. So ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, but here we find out they met in California before, because all the memories of the kidnapping attempt come back to Jack. Do either you want to talk about the kidnapping? One day in
1: California, Jack was just like casually. He says he doesn't even know where he was going. It was so such an unimportant moment of the day when an an eighties PSA plays out in front of us. <laughs> And a guy in a car rolls up and literally unfolds his hand and has a Tootsie Roll (laughs) uh, offering candy to Jack. And Jack, knowing that it is a bad idea, knowing that this is like, oh, this is exactly what I'm told not to do, gets grabbed. And a guy in a white suit and uh, this other guy try to drag him into this car. And as they do, he sees them changing.
0: They're sort of morphing into maybe animal parts. Their eyes start turning yellow. Yellow. One of them
1: has a a claw instead of a hand. Yeah. Uh, Very
3: low men. Yeah. 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 These are Tahine for sure. Mm -hmm. And then Speedy runs out and he's like, hey, get away from that kid. And then they run away.
0: And the some other guy who mm-hmm. I think lives in the neighborhood and is going for a walk or something's like, Oh my god, kid, are you okay? Do you know those guys who just tried to <laughs> kidnap you? And he's like, Where's the the black guy who helped me? And there is no one there. Mm-hmm. The other guy did not see Speedy. He it's like he only Jack could see him, which is interesting yeah.
3: too. So we're in Speedy's shack where he has tons of nudies on the wall, because this mm-hmm. is pre-internet. <laughs> And amongst all of these tastefully, I'm sure they're tasteful, <laughs> nude photos is what looks like a postcard of a place that seems so out of place in this area. And Jack's staring at it and he's like, where is that? And when Speedy says, it's called the territories, he says, I knew it before he said it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And that's the the part that like gives me goosebumps every time. That yeah. first connection when he's like, I know this place. Because up until now, he's just kind of referred to the daydreams and these that he had when he was a kid, but he hasn't had as much as an adult.
1: Yeah. His mom basically admonished them out of him saying no, that people that can't recognize reality from daydreams are going crazy. So Mm. cut it out.
0: Yeah. Jack, I think we said this at the top, but Jack is 12 years old now. And a lot of the things that he is going to be recalling that he experienced when he was like six or seven years old.
3: Yeah. During their conversation, Speedy pulls out a green bottle, takes a drink of something and vanishes in front of Jack a little bit and then comes back to being solid and then doesn't address it.
0: I'm confused about how he disappeared a little bit. Did he just like take another drink? He just took a little nip.
1: No, I, I assumed it was just he went dim for a second. It was just, it was just not a full flip because, well, we don't find it out today. But you don't need the wine, right? Yeah. So I, I assume it was just like a trick of okay, the eyes. I,
0: I couldn't remember if you could not quite flip or not. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, been a while.
3: I mean, you could probably stop a flip <laughs> partway through when I mean, you change your mind. Don't I like flip that all it's called
0: flipping. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is, it's very. It's very simple, but it really very pulls it when right. you do that. It's called a faky.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I whipped a faky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or
3: nose grind.
2: <laughs> whip a <It's> shitty. A,
3: <laughs> it's whip a whip a fifty fifty shitty freaky. I don't we know. We are if all skateboarders, God, know, so obviously. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Join us next week for guest Tony Hawk <laughs> joining us for Talisman Part 2. Jack goes back to the room and intercepts a call from Morgan calling his mom, and he eaves her up on the conversation. And this is where we find out Lily is dying. It's not just something that Jack thinks about. She is actively dying. She's very sick. And Sloat is saying, I'm going to come out. You're going to sign over the whole company. I'll give him a salary. For the rest of his life, he'll be well taken care of, but I built this empire, it is mine. And Lily's not fucking having it because she knows the kind of person that Slote is.
0: Everything he interacts with, he assumes he did all on his own and Mm, that he owns. Mm. And I hate him so much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is like the perfect caricature of like, when was this book written? Early 80s, right? Yeah, Because yeah, it Uh is like- peak Reaganism yeah. like this is mine I earned it
3: uh, by hurting all of those people
2: Gray
1: Wall Street uh,
3: yeah it <laughs> sucks in a book full of real punchable people Sloat is really outdoes the rest of the people we meet really with punchability
0: and there gets to be two of him
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we actually take a second to talk about
1: Lily though yeah, yeah absolutely because she's awesome <laughs> Right?
0: She's complicated.
1: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what, it, because she's, she is, like, running away from these problems and the way she's handling mm-hmm. it is not great, like...
0: Not healthy for her son.
1: Or herself. No, mm-hmm. and
0: and I you get the sense that she is trying to protect him and herself, but not, maybe she's sick enough that she's not quite making the choice she would otherwise make if she felt better
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it, the the thing I come back to is the like the obvious doom that she has accepted mm-hmm. because like she has started smoking she she had quit smoking for a long time and as they have moved across the country she has picked up smoking again and by the time they're at the Alhambra she is smoking filterless like mm-hmm. black lung cigarettes and it just adds this very sad like finality to what is happening.
0: And she's lost her perception. We we see that when her and Jack are having dinner later and she's... She ends up offending the waiter, being kind in of In a rude. moment,
1: I still fucking love. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome moment. Because yeah. what what is it that she says?
0: An elementary martini.
1: Yeah, and, and like, she, and he's like, gives this model. very he doesn't like, know what that is Hollywood answer, yeah. and yeah. that is charming from the outside, right, but involves- as a server would make you <laughs> want to throw something in her
3: oh, face. Oh,
0: absolutely. Well, and, and Jack notices like Nora he could tell that the waiter was put off and he's Mm. like, normally she would notice that. Like she was very good at reading people and understanding how they felt. And she's, lost that.
3: Yeah. She's yeah. just not herself. Because she was famous, but she was never out of this world famous. She always treated people well. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she was nominated for an Oscar
1: and that was like the highlight of her career and yeah. like she was just genuinely happy about it. I just
3: love this character. Mm-hmm. And it was at the Alhambra Inn that they watched the Oscars where she didn't win.
0: And where Jack was conceived.
1: <laughs> it's,
3: I I just it he does
1: the king does a really good job of making you care about Lily, Mm -hmm. so that when you find out that the purpose of the quest is to
3: save her, you're like, yeah, cool. And it's not just to save her, because Jack goes to Speedy and we finally get our quest, that Jack has to travel to the territories because... Lord. Oh. Deloessian. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I remembered that <laughs> That's, name. that's <laughs> the name. That's the name L- I can remember. <laughs> Laura Deloessian, the queen of the territories who is also very sick because they are twinners and that's this is the first glimpse we get of twinners and how that works.
0: It's interesting too because Speedy is explaining what, these, what twinners are to Jack and that his mom is one, his dad is one. And Jack's like, do I have a twinner? And he gives him this look and he's like, no, you're different. I didn't remember why he doesn't have one. Also, we've we've speculated on Jack as being a twinner of someone several times. Mm. We are wrong. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that is fair. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I forgot about twinners is that. Not everybody has one that it's it, one in a hundred thousand because sh- the should we explain is what twitters yeah.
1: are for the people that uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just assuming baseline sure, knowledge? Yeah. Uh, twitters, of course, are uh people from the other world that are somehow cosmically linked, they are somehow the same essence of person but in two different worlds and usually it seems when one thing happens to one in one world a similar or way
3: worse thing happens <laughs> in the other world mm-hmm. yeah uh, the the twinners like they might not die at the same time but they might die within a week of each other mm-hmm. say uh, and he explains that not everybody but people who figure out how to travel between the worlds if you have a twinner it's way easier because you already have a body in both worlds so those people can travel much easier than Jack will
0: which I'm still wrapping my head around yeah because <laughs> when
1: the characters travel with twinner, they don't replace the twinner, right
0: well that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around because obviously Jack doesn't but well, much, much later where I read ahead. <laughs> well, well, we'll, we'll
1: talk about that yeah. next week. Yeah. I I don't think we have enough information here
0: to know in this the section.
3: Yeah. I, this is one of those books that the rules are going to get doled out slowly mm-hmm. across this journey.
0: You have to study this book. You have to reread it <laughs> because it, it, it builds so much and so many things that are present in other works
3: so they go down to the beach and speedy's explaining all this and he gives him the bottle and tells him to take a drink and he'll cross over he drinks and he flips over into the territories and the world is the same but it's so different the there's a deep gorgeous blue sea there's a blue chambray sky <laughs>
0: <laughs> no no industrial revolution has taken place yeah polluted the earth <laughs>
3: And he he gets harassed by a seagull for a minute, and he moves a on. Very unnervingly <laughs> large seagull. This uh, a seagull the size of an eagle, I believe uh, is how I describe which, it. Which is actually pretty which is cool. Because seagull. Early
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was trying. I was like, right,
0: you can combine
3: you really, the names. You really but went for it. and I'm proud of you. They're the same. <laughs>
1: I love that. Amazing uh, job, CM. No. <laughs>
0: Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you. I needed a win and that was it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, seagull. <sighs> oh god. Um so he he travels around a little bit. He he walks maybe a hundred and fifty feet. He he guesses, and when he flips back over, he's a half a mile away from where he started.
0: Which is an amazing, just an amazing detail about this. Yeah, <laughs> I
3: love
1: that it, it's so subtle. But when he first flips over uh, into the territories, he looks out at the ocean and can clearly delineate the curvature of the earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's such a subtle way of noting that, as we find out later. The territories are just smaller than here.
0: Also, did you guys feel the way I felt when he very quickly and easily understood everything about math and geography?
1: What? What happened?
0: When Jack is like figuring out like, oh, if I travel this far, this is what (laughs) did Yeah. Yeah. He's a smart I would kid. have never known. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm further.
3: <laughs> I feel like Jack gains special powers every chapter, uh, like oh, okay. his, his okay. super math powers. But then later we find out for really no reason he has a gift for mimicry <laughs> uh, just that comes out of nowhere. I feel like.
1: Yeah, Jack yeah. is like golden age Superman. and Just kind of <laughs> yeah. do whatever needs whatever. to happen in the scene.
3: <laughs> Uh, Speedy tells him that what he's looking for is in the territories. He has to get to California. That's where the talisman is. And he has to bring it back, and it will save the queen. And by saving the queen, it'll save his mom.
0: And the only thing he can tell him about this object is to not drop it.
3: (laughs) Speedy. Good note. (laughs) That's a very important rule, though. Don't drop the thing that saves the world.
1: Did anyone tell fucking Roland about the... (laughs) that about his fucking horn <laughs> listen to the dark tower 7 episode in 10 years
3: oh <laughs> uh, when he gets back he can't find lily anywhere
0: were you guys i i'm sorry just he he gets back and he's like all right i have to go on this journey he accepts that and yeah. i accepted that he accepted it but i was shocked and he's like and i have to convince my mom to let me go i cuz i was anticipating him kind of just Taking off, like leaving her a note, maybe so that she can't stop him or argue. But he's gonna explain to her what he needs to do. I was like, oh, okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that was the right choice for, for Jack for the relationship we have that we see with him and his mom. It felt very for a scene that happens in a diner
1: mm-hmm. or a jam shop or whatever <laughs> it is, it feels regal. Did I is You're that just me? Right, yeah. Because a lot it about it feels, the relationship
0: feels like, what we know in the territories.
1: Yeah, like, he is yeah. he is coming to the queen to say, I am, you know, setting out on this quest in your name.
0: And a 12-year-old boy in that situation would be seen probably as more capable of doing something like that and being on his own and not seen as much of a child.
3: And Jack even mentions after he sits down and he tells her that he has to go and doesn't know when he'll be back, and he realizes that she somehow knows like there's a piece of her that knows everything he's saying is true. And he has to do this. Yeah.
0: Twinners aren't necessarily conscious of one another or the other worlds, but there is like a deep subconscious connection that they are aware of on some level. I thought it was interesting, too, when he's because she's kind of resistant she's sort of being sarcastic with him like oh really yeah you got to do this thing and he says hey remember you know dad you would think he was in a room you'd swear he was there yeah. and you'd go into that room and mm. he wouldn't be there and like weird stuff like that and that's when we get her referencing him as a similar name to Traveling Jack too.
3: She calls him Wandering yeah. Jack and then she corrects herself and like no your dad called you Traveling Jack that's what he was That's how, and that's how we found out that that's where that name originated and so for speedy to know that is just another level of we should definitely trust speedy because <laughs> yeah. he knows he knew my dad obviously mm-hmm. so he convinces her he packs a backpack oh, ah i'm sorry
0: it didn't bother you guys what this kid was. I'm.
3: It, no, my, my inventory is
0: like, can we put a flashlight in there? Like a pocket knife
3: for a 12 year old kid. I was like, yep, this is. I this makes sense. I was so upset. Absolutely. If
1: I had been 12 years old trekking across the country, my book bag would have been like a uh, three. Ninja Turtles shirts and a Game Boy. Yeah, definitely a Game Boy. A pack
3: of Oreos. But (laughs) as an
0: adult reading it, I I hurt so much because it's like, Jack, pack something useful.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Turn back, you big dumb idiot. (laughs) Get a survival kit. Yeah, bring some granola. You're gonna (laughs) need calories. Uh, On his way out, he runs into Speedy who gives him a road atlas so that he doesn't get lost. And that's when Speedy also tells him like, you have to go on foot as much as possible, because if you tried to go on a plane and you flipped, you'd just fall to your death.
0: <laughs> this is great.
3: <laughs> Terrifying.
0: I am not being smart. I need your guys' help. Okay. I I get that an airplane would be scary, because he's like, can I fly? And he's like, hell no, you can't fly. You flip when you're in a plane, and you flip in the air. Makes sense. Why can't he take a bus? Yeah, He hitches rides. He doesn't have the money. In a vehicle. Why? Okay. No, no, let me rephrase this. (laughs) Why didn't Lily put him on a (laughs) fucking bus? Or drive? Why does he have to do this all by himself?
1: Buses are easy to track. That's true.
0: Almost there. I need a little more, but Mm. keep working on it. (laughs) Let's move move on.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And there'd be so many witnesses. Like, so many people would see this kid traveling Norman would find him right away. What book Bork. are we reading? <laughs> Good poll, Ben. Yeah. Nicely done.
0: He's not rose. He'd
3: have to take a bus to without seeing where it went. Yeah. And that creates all sorts of problems. And then you find a painting, and let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> and Speedy gives him the atlas, and he also gives him a, a finger pick, an ivory finger pick, and basically says, when you get to the castle, find the guard with a scar on his face, show him this, then he'll know that I sent you. And, and then he
0: tells him everything he needs to understand <laughs> about the customs <laughs> of the territories, so that he doesn't yep, stand out. The important stuff. Listen. The currency. Your
3: pants are gonna be different.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, and and he goes on his way. This is we've already talked about Sloat and you know how all of this came to be. There's one note in this Sloat interlude that I really wanted to mention as I was talking about how much of an asshole Sloat is. I wrote, Sloat resents how the alphabet works, because when they mm-hmm. name the business Sawyer and Sloat, yeah. despite Sloat and Sawyer being Phil's first suggestion. Everything <laughs> about this dude is so, like, <sighs> petty and mm-hmm. pathetic. It's,
1: it, it. who is it? It's Buster. Buster. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like a very
0: smart Buster
1: key Yeah. And we. Yeah, because that's the other thing, is he is a slime ball and a piece of shit, but he's incredibly competent. Yes. Yeah,
0: he's too competent to not infuriate me. Yeah. Constantly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and we find out that Sloat's master plan is he's gonna take over the territories when the queen dies. So we get that last malicious, like, there's no redeeming quality for this guy.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Also ending on uh him firing a guy and thinking, man, this guy's gonna kill himself. Cool. I
3: was wondering if he was gonna make that guy kill himself or I not.
0: kind of took that as that.
3: Oh, that I just <laughs> assume well, I I mean
1: I he's gonna in a roundabout way make him kill himself. He's
0: okay with feeling responsible for yes. it. He's like, yeah, my actions are gonna make him kill himself. Good job, me. Yeah. Successful day at work.
3: <laughs> yeah. Check yeah. that off the to-do list. Then I've got a dinner oh. appointment. Fuck fuck this guy. <laughs> so Jack has flipped, all of his clothes have changed.
0: He didn't it's fine. It's fine. He didn't know. I, I'm glad the book explained this because as soon as he noticed that his clothes were different, I was like, were they different the first time he flipped? And it was like, oh, he didn't notice that before. He I'm going distra- to make this argument again. He was distracted again. by a feel like I'm going to make this argument again. It's a book. I was you can gonna put say, it anywhere. You can talk about him noticing his clothes in the first flip.
1: No, I've, there, there are a few. I, I don't know what the second thing you're going to talk about, <laughs> but I do remember having that thought several times. Oh, the money. Right? Yeah. Of being
3: like, oh, and also he had a bunch of sticks in his yes. pocket. <laughs> okay, cool. CM, you wouldn't notice your clothes changed if you were being chased by a sea eagle.
0: A uh, sea eagle. <laughs> sea eagle.
3: <laughs> he winds up in the, the Queen's Pavilion and he sees all these people milling around and he sees these guards in front of the palace. And there's no way he can get past until a a ruckus breaks out and he sees this guard captain with the scar and he goes up to him and pulls out the pick. And it's no longer a pick. It's been turned into a long tooth with a pattern engraved in it. And uh, Captain Farron does not believe that that was given to him right away. Yeah, it takes him <laughs> very aggressive
0: for him. He's a, he's a rough dude. I, yeah. I think a fair dude, but a rough dude. Yeah.
3: And he refers to uh, when Jack is trying to describe Speedy. And he's like, oh, Parkus.
0: Why? I'm sorry, okay. Jesus, I'm
3: so aggressive. This book is
0: making me angry. (laughs) I love it, but it's making me mad. Why didn't Speedy say, by the way, tell him Parkus sent Mm -hmm. you? (laughs) For fuck's sake. Listen. Uh, Why are you you, the me in this episode?
3: (laughs) If you have, have you ever had just a million things you needed to tell someone, and then they've left and you've only told them three? I have.
0: They still would have been three useful important things.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he don't fly.
0: Don't drop the talisman.
3: Don't drop the talisman oh my God. and save your mom. Those are the three important things. Uh-huh. <laughs> the when he convinces Farron that they're what he's here to do, he says, All right, we're gonna do we're gonna do role play. Uh, I'm going to pretend you're my bastard child that I hate. (laughs) And I'm just going to yell at you and drag you through the kingdom. And he's like, all right, I'm I'm an actor. (laughs) And drags him through the castle. It's so good. I I actually love this part. It's so fucking great. The
1: the lengths that, uh, almost called him Jake, all my hard name work. (laughs) Uh, All of the, like, making himself
3: cry on cue, Mm -hmm.
1: just out of nowhere. Awesome. Sell
3: him the bit. And they get inside the castle, and we get this very cool Eyes of the Dragon esque secret passage. And he finally sees his mom, but not his mom. He sees the resemblance, and just she's laying in a bed in a coma. And he just stares at her for a while and is like, now that I've seen this, his resolve is doubled. Mm. It's wonderful. So Jack reveals his quest and. Farron says, let's get you out of here before Morgan arrives because you don't want to be here when he gets here.
0: Yeah. So this is where we also find out why Speedy gave Jack that funny look when he's like, do I have a twinner? And he was like, no, you're different. The queen and her husband, which was Jack's dad's twinner, had a child who died at like six weeks or six months or something very as an infant. And Jack, I almost said remembers, but he was also an infant but he recalls his mom telling him about a time when she and Phil and Morgan were all hanging out at their house and she went out to check on Jack after Morgan had excused himself to use the restroom and came back and he wasn't breathing. And so they raced him to the hospital and he ended up living, but that's when his twinner died. And we also find out that Morgan tried to smother him.
3: Yes. They, uh... Pick up the role play, drag him through the kitchen, very funny scene in the kitchen, and they're just about home free when we meet Osmond. Do either of you want to describe Osmond? Holy shit. Osmond is f- fascinating. Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, Osmond is, I, I I may have the physical descriptions wrong because all of the shit he does is so <laughs> wild that the way I pictured him because he's like described as very tall and like lanky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his mannerisms are he's a, got a pizzazz. lot, he has pizzazz and then some.
0: He's <laughs> a he's real a, showman. The problem is, he's a real dick.
1: <laughs> he he uh comes up and he finds out, uh, well, he's looming over Jack and like boring into Jack's
3: soul just by staring at him and being terrifying because he's also holding a bullwhip with metal spurs on the end of Uh. the several ends of the whip
1: and and he's just like staring Jack down being like who are you and Jack feels the need almost to blurt it out because he's like that's what kids do they tell everything (laughs) (laughs) but he holds it in long enough and, and Farron is able to distract him and is it before or after the Kingsland that Jack gets one across the back it's before yeah just out of nowhere for being bad yeah for being there basically yeah
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he he accuses Farron of letting his bastard in to steal silver and whatever Mm -hmm.
1: and uh, my favorite part is just Jack turning with just saying he had just enough time to think
3: I know where that's going (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: before feeling
3: it uh, rip into his back. Uh, We also find out that Jack notices that this is the yellow-eyed kidnapper that we Mm -hmm. referenced earlier. Thankfully, a guy turned over a cart and killed his son on accident, so Jack (laughs) took the focus (laughs) off Jack. God, this passage is dark.
0: Yes, that scene tells you exactly what Osmond is like. because And
3: what the territories are like. yeah. Yeah,
0: He doesn't give one flying fuck that this guy this guy's kid is dead and the guy has a moment where he's it's like oh he he didn't think that he heard him that his child died in this accident so he repeated it and it's just so dark and miserable
1: yeah and osman uh
3: beats that man to death in the street while laughing yeah all because his cart overturned and he spilled the Kingsland Ale, which is this uh, the best ale in the kingdom. Well, and
0: Morgan is And coming. Morgan's on his way. And you know how quickly he comes down that road. If he comes around a bend and there's a blockage, he's, you better hope he dies and is <laughs> not just injured. <laughs> yes.
3: So they leave and they head to Outpost Road or the Western Road because this is what will take Jack West. Farron is going to take him as far as he can and then send him on his way. And they see... A sea of drunks as they get closer (laughs) because people have just been drinking out of puddles. Classic territories. And Farron says, all right, we've come this far. We have to stay here. Travel west. But if you hear Morgan's diligence, it is the loudest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. It's like 13 horses and a massive carriage. You'll hear it coming. Get as far off the road as you can because Morgan can smell when something is wrong. Oh, we should also mention Morgan Sloat in our world, Morgan of Oris in mm-hmm. the territories. Yeah. Very convenient that he gets to have the same name in both places.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, you guys, hmm. yeah. it, if we had twinners, what would their names be? I think mine would be Jake. I think mine would be Bimbo. Nope. <laughs> nope.
3: Nope.
1: We're going to type that again.
3: Bean. Just Bean. Bean. Perfect. Yeah. One of my favorite characters in Ender's Game. Uh, So Farron gives him a coin, sends him on his way. And on the road hours later, he hears the diligence coming. And he moves out into the woods and it passes by and it's horrifying. Mm -hmm. He sees the massive, like it's Morgan's guards first, then it's this diligence. And as it passes, he can just see clearly that Morgan turned and looked at him as he passed and he's like, why the fuck, did, did he see me? Did he not see me? Oh, I think I got away with it. And then he gets evil deaded. Yup, exact thought.
0: Okay, so the the vines of these, or the roots of these trees, or vines that are part of these trees, are about to rip him apart. And and they they have his bottle, and that's all moving. And he thinks, why didn't Farron warn me about this? <laughs> and then he thinks, oh, he must not have known. No, Really? Anyway, yeah. we yeah, don't have pro- to talk about it. He probably knew. I,
1: I do like because they do kind of hint at that he, he says, well, maybe Farron just hasn't gone this far west. because Or is that later on? No, because he says, there. yeah, because yeah, later on he says, like, because Farron had said, you know, once you get past the outpost, no one has ever traveled past the outpost. See, I can so. only
0: think because I've never gone. Into like an area where there's quicksand, but I do Mm -hmm. still know it exists, (laughs) even if I haven't gone that far west. I I'm wondering if he just assumed Jack would know, like the woods were dangerous in that specific way. So he He does tell Jack to
3: travel in our world as much as possible. I think Speedy does, right? Yeah, Speedy does, in order to like. Be, But maybe say
0: because the trees will murder you. (laughs) That's useful. Anyway, this is why he ends up flipping back Mm. because he's about to die and he he manages to get the juice and takes a swig.
3: And he ends up in a much shittier place. Yeah. He ends up in New York's dairy, Oatly, (laughs) uh, having spilled a good chunk, a third of the bottle. So now he has even less or he only has a third left now Mm -hmm. after he spilled so much. He keeps hitching. He winds up in Oatley, and as he's he's looking for work, because that's part of what he's been doing, hitching, working at this place on like a farm for a day. The less we talk about the hitching, the better.
1: Yeah.
0: It's what you think it is. Yeah. Yep. Uh,
3: oh, the whole bunch of gay panic. Yes. Yep. So Jack finds a sign that says help wanted outside the Oatley tap and he'll sure wish he never saw that sign. Do either of you want to talk about the Oatly tap?
0: It is a dive bar that is deceptively not busy when Jack agrees to kind of a shitty deal about work and and board. And it is something that is very hopping on the weekends. It's all these blue-collar workers getting off work, and they come in, they drink pretty hard, and then they call it a night. They go home so they can get up for work the next morning. Problem is, uh, there's a lady there who's nice, and I'm not going to spend five minutes talking about how... No woman wants to be hit, despite the words in this book. Yeah, boy, howdy. Anyway, she's she's a domestic violence sufferer. She's, she lives with the owner, and he's an unfair piece of crap and kind of screws Jack over. And there's a sense that he keeps telling Jack, like, hey, you you don't have to stay on, you know, just stay over the weekend and you'll make a bunch of money because we'll be really busy and then I'll drive you to the next town and you can be on your way. And Jack knows that it's a lie, that he's not gonna drive him there. And so we kind of come back with Jack after he's already spent some time here and is explaining that it's been a really rough time. He's been physically abused, he's been berated. There's a creepy guy there, which one of you can. uh,
1: I I think it says at the beginning of the chapter, it has been 60 hours that he has worked at this place. Mm and he is consider he he is thinking now is the time i have to run away
0: it feels like 60 days the way he describes yeah. his experience it seems so long it's just a really cool way to write that in such a way that makes you feel like this has been an eternity it-
3: This is the this whole scene is the thing I think about when I think about this book because Mm -hmm. it stuck with me so hard because and in my memory it was much longer than this because it (laughs) feels so much longer.
1: The phone, I mean the uh, the the chapter title uh, "Jack and the Pitcher Plant." It feels just like you're stuck in this place just as much as Jack is. Yeah,
0: and and he's still being pursued because the phone keeps ringing and no one is there. Until someone is.
1: Yeah, when, like, every once in a while they'll answer and yell, like, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. But when Jack finally answers the phone, it is Morgan's voice Mm -hmm. saying, get home, Jack. Get home, or you're gonna go home in a body bag.
0: And there's someone nearby who can make that happen. And Mm. we meet that Elroy.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Elroy thing. He describes him as Randolph Scott uh, at first, because that's kind of what he looks like.
0: I got very stressed out every time... Jack would have a bad experience and then he'd think about his pack that he like stashed away somewhere Mm because I kept thinking they're going to get it and they're not going to let him go. It made me so, so, so anxious. This book makes me very anxious.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Mostly because he's our hero and you think things should work out so easily and they never fucking do. He has no
0: autonomy. No. It's It's terrible. It's so
3: funny
1: because earlier in the book, like the first day that he heads out, He has the thought of like, once he got on the road, he thought, boy, all my problems are behind me. (laughs) And then immediately every problem happens.
0: Wouldn't have happened on a bus. Continue.
3: (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of this happens all at once here at the very end. The uh, the Elroy thing, before it's the Elroy thing, grabs him and in the bar.
0: He's been made to be afraid of him because the owner threatens him. He's like, you see that guy over there? He likes little boys. Yeah,
3: he's been watching you. Mm-hmm. And Smokey comes in. The guy backs off, but only because Smokey needs to beat the hell out of Jack for mm-hmm. dropping a keg. And there's a gunshot in the other room. So Smokey runs out. The coast is clear. And he says, it's now or never. Mm -hmm. And so he grabs the stuff, makes a break for it. But Elroy is right there and grabs him, drags him into the bathroom and then starts transforming. And that is so (laughs) fucking scary because I was not expecting a monster to be there.
0: The because we've had two other descriptions of people transforming, but because of the way they were described, it, it's just this state of intense like anxiety and danger. So you're not sure if he means it literally, if, like he actually saw that. And this is where it becomes a little more, you know, like, oh, these are weird creatures. <laughs> yes.
3: Luckily he's able to slip away and drink from the bottle and flip back into the territories. And this is where we learn about Jerry Bledsoe. Our favorite character in the book so far, <laughs> <laughs> because when he flips, Jack starts to think about when he was six years old. He was playing behind the couch, heard Morgan, heard Morgan and Phil talking about the territories and being uh, more a part of how that world works. Because Sloke sees what the the benefits they can reap.
0: He sees bringing capitalism to the territories. And yes. He's so shitty about it that this is just. I hate him so much, and it's 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 interesting because Phil's like you have to be careful what you do there. Like we can't really interfere with their lives too much because it affects ours. And he's trying to explain. I can't remember the the event that happened over. They had like a civil war. There had
1: been a small civil war that, like the king or something, had been killed or something, Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, the, it had been a small skirmish, but on our
3: side, it was the day that Germany invaded Poland.
0: Lasted for years.
3: So their conflict lasted three weeks, and then our side lasted for six years. Mm-hmm. So he's just trying to say, we need to we need to know what we're affecting before we do anything. And this is where Phil also drops uh, that there are other worlds than these. But that's not <laughs> important right now.
1: So frustrating <laughs> yeah. so frustrating that this is thrown out there and you're like Wait, what? What did Phil know? It's so cool. Because Jack is like, when he hears this, he's like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, sometimes when I'm over there, I feel like I'm closer to somewhere else. And you're like, yeah. When you're over
0: there? What? (laughs) I'm I'm baffled that he remembers a conversation he was half asleep for when he was six years old. I don't remember anything (laughs) when I was six years old. And that he, and I know it's for us, so we understand, but that he can see... How butt hurt Morgan is <laughs> over Phil being like, right. like he's pretending like, oh Phil, yeah, you're you're so smart. I'm totally on board. And you're like, oh dude's gonna kill this guy. Oh, yeah. first chance he gets. Absolutely. So frustrating. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, the reason Jerry Bledsoe is important is because he died at the Sawyer and Slope building one day. A witness saw a, an electrical panel or something blow up mm-hmm. and kill this guy. He got hit by a ball of lightning. Yeah. So that's just a an example of how traveling can affect something that uh, caused this guy's death.
0: Yeah, there's a concern that Jack begins to have that just by flipping, he is causing some sort of disaster or harm just randomly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is this the point where we learn about uh what is it? I, there's I'm an
0: earthquake in, in a night. town. Some town oh, now. Oh, yeah, later. later we find out yeah. there's an earthquake in a town he passed through.
3: Uh, Jack realizes after he flips that he is uh, thinking and hearing and speaking a different language, and Which he never you... noticed before. Yeah,
1: that was the point. Oh, yeah, that was like yes. because was what you were talking because about because
3: earlier in the book he's
1: spe- like the first time he goes over, he specifically notes that the guy starts taught the first time he hears language, he's like, "Oh yeah, I that's I understand that." So we're led to believe, oh, that it's just English, mm-hmm. and then it takes because it's what been weeks yeah. at this point, or days. It's, it's at hard least? to tell. Yeah. It's been weeks. It's been at least a week. Yeah, and he's
3: just now, <laughs> just now. Uh, they reach. This is one of my favorite scenes. Also, it's so short, but the market scene. There's so much yes. world building in this market. Can
0: we just mention briefly on the way to the market? Because he he gets a ride with a family who who seems really nice, but it. it it reflects many of his hitchhiking experiences without the touchy-feely, where he's got to come up with a story. And he's really nervous to do that in the territory side, because even though he can understand and speak the language, he doesn't know if, you know, if the meaning is quite the same. So he's concerned about saying the wrong thing. And of course, he does exactly that. And he sees this nice family just get really afraid of him. And they're like, oh, you're there's some political stuff going on with you and the kingdom and the queen and everything. And we're just simple people and simple people always get hurt when that happens. You're close enough, get out of my cart, see ya. And it was just, it was sad because we'd seen him go through so much horror. He finally meets somebody nice. And and he's
1: like a pariah, basically.
0: But then, yeah, when he gets to the market, uh, well, first I wanted to rip my hair out and then he meets a nicer person. (laughs) The fucking... May I continue? Can yeah, I just yeah, go totally on, and yes. on. Okay. So he gets to this market, it, medieval style thing you would imagine perfectly. It's what you're picturing. And he he recognizes that his money, which is about $22, has turned into literal sticks with these nubs on them. He very wisely is watching people exchange those that currency for things cuz he's starving and he's cuz he had to take off quickly from the bar. Yeah. And so he's trying to figure out how to get some food. So he watches a few transactions and then he goes up and he'd, he'd seen a guy get a slab of meat and bread for like two knobs uh, off this stick. And he takes out all of his knobs, all of his sticks, a and he holds them up. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you just did this. Why didn't you just break off two? Exactly. And you would have gotten the same amount. So this guy recognizes a sucker when he sees one. And he brings in a much smaller piece of meat, but Jack's like, I'm not going to bitch because it's it's food and I need it. He takes his stick and he breaks off three. And Jack obviously probably looks upset and he's like, I could have taken four. You're lucky. You want to make a deal out of it? You want to make a big deal? And he's like, it just made me so angry for him.
3: He got got. That's on Jack.
1: I, it is frustrating, but I actually kind of love this section because of uh something they say that once he's gotten to this point he realizes he's started to blend in even though it's like after the that fi- part yeah oh, okay yeah no I, that is later but yeah he when he starts to notice that he's blending in not because he is not like gaping at everything but because everyone is yeah because everything's just so bustling i, I he's
0: not as that. worried about acting like everyone else he's just being himself and he has the most success that way
3: the biggest takeaway from this scene is that the rhyming rug vendor is the stephen king cameo i've been waiting for my whole life yeah because that character fucking rules yeah
0: he meets one nice guy a rug vendor who sells him a mirror that shows him uh, a pinocchio donkey face when he looks in it
3: (laughs) it's great i love it yeah
0: it's it's very and he remembers
3: he had one or something. He had a marble. He had, he a, had marble. a similarly
0: kind of magical mm-hmm. item that he lost yeah. when he was a kid. When he was six. <laughs> yeah.
3: So he's headed out. He's, like Ben said, he is starting to feel kind of a place for himself in this world. And he looks in a stream and he gets a vision of Elroy driving Morgan's diligence, coming west, coming after Jack. Mm. So his only choice is to drink and flip back into what he now calls the American Territories which I think mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. He is, he's reached Angola by Lake Erie and he gets a ride from Buddy Parkins who picks up Lewis Farron. Is when he goes by. <laughs> I love
1: that he keeps the name that Farron gave him. Yeah. I think that's very cool.
3: Uh, and notice he flipped in Angola, New York, and he picked him up in Ohio. So it shows the distance yeah. between, the, like, the way time passes is so impossible to keep track mm-hmm. of in this book because Jack's not. Right. So why would we? And Buddy just, like, sees, uh, he knows something's up with this kid, but he sees a good kid. He even offers, like, you know, I've got a wife and kid... You know, come home with us, have a couple mm-hmm. square meals, like, whatever. And he politely declines. He has his whole story about how he, his mom is sick, his dad's dead, and he's going to live with his aunt. And that's the story he gives everybody when he goes. And Buddy notices that he's carrying around a newspaper from Angola. And is like, where'd you get that? Oh, it was, it was at... Uh, the bus station or whatever, when I was there, I picked it up. And after he drops them off on this turnpike and he goes, he remembers, oh yeah, wasn't there an earthquake in Angle and five people died? In,
0: which is not on a fault line, so there yeah. should not be an earthquake mm-hmm. there. <laughs>
3: uh, and so we've finally seen that there are consequences to this flipping a little bit.
1: I, maybe. We don't know for sure, because we sure. are uh, very soon... Meet a character who tells Jack, you can't take all this on yourself.
3: Yeah. We find out Jack's plan is to head to Springfield because that's where Richard Sloat, Morgan's son, is going to a prep school. And he feels like if he can get to Richard, he can talk Richard into coming with him. And then he won't be alone on this journey anymore. Which, good idea. Probably, if if Richard is the kind of kid that Jack remembers him being, I guess
0: I can't remember if it is a good. (laughs) Me either. I don't remember
1: at all. Oh, we're only uh, quarter of the way through the book. I'm sure this one kid won't become an
3: extremely important character. (laughs) Probably not, though. So he goes to uh, a mall and buys some new shoes because his shoes are worn off his feet. I love the interaction he has with these
1: shitty mall kids. <laughs> he he's heading into this mall and he's like he's been on the road for long enough now that he looks like he's been on the road <laughs> and so he sees these kids who get out of a car and there's all these like girls crowded around this douchebag and they they make fun of him but he he sees them and like instantly knows he's like, "Oh, I'm not one of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Something, something really core about me has changed just by being in the territories. And he even says at some point, he's like, he doesn't begrudge these kids for being assholes and he doesn't want to get them, but he
3: feels like he knows he could. <laughs> yeah. He decides to call his mom from a payphone, and that's when we find out that, yes, Morgan did come out there. She sent him packing, telling him it was a waste of time. And before they can wrap up their conversation, the connection gets kind of jarbled, and Morgan's voice comes through. And Morgan calls him a murderer for killing those people and says that he can't run, that he will find him no matter what he does.
1: Okay, so I want to take, we, we never talked about at the very beginning of the book, there was a seagull uh, <laughs> yeah. watching Jack. He Jack was obsessed with this eye that mm-hmm. he saw in the seagull, and when the, the portal opened on the beach, he kind of associated it with the black of the seagull eye and something watching him, and of course, the thing is associated with Morgan because Morgan's voice came out of it. Anyway, Morgan's eye was watching out of the bird and birds lie, and now Morgan is saying-
0: uh, That he caused that earthquake. Yes. Oh, so that's why you're thinking- Holy shit! Maybe it's not a consequence of- It's not
1: actually a thing that is It is a completely arbitrary thing that happened, or maybe Morgan caused it, who knows? Yeah. It, it just, that's why I feel like Morgan
3: is the liar here. And I, I feel mm-hmm. like Jack is innocent. That's
1: yes. awesome.
3: <laughs> ben, that kicks ass. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board 100%. On his way out, he passes a blind black man with a guitar who sounds exactly like Speedy and and looks exactly like Speedy. But wait, he he doesn't sound like Speedy and he doesn't look like Speedy. He's Speedy, but he's not Speedy. You guys follow, right? And his name is Snowball. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he he just, he sees this man, yes, Snowball, who apparently plays outside this mall for cash. Uh, he's got a little tip container where people can throw change. And Jack just word vomits every problem he's ever had to this stranger.
0: <laughs> it's so sweet.
3: It's so good. Because he,
0: he is kind to Jack. He's like, I don't, I don't know this speedy, and I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't think that stuff was your fault, and it's going to be okay, kid. But he says enough specific things that you're like, what's happening? What is this character? Well, you just tell me
1: if you're speedy or not.
0: Yeah, I, I need to know. Yeah, he
1: keeps doing things that ain't nothing speedy around here. Oink. <laughs> and you're like,
3: stop fucking with yeah. me, guy. And Jackson, uh, in his word vomiting, he's like, I only have two drinks left. I, I, I'm not going to have enough to get by, and and Snowball's like, hey, man, you don't need that wine. Like, I can smell it on your breath, you drunk kid. Uh, you don't need wine. You don't need wine to travel.
0: Uh-huh. And then he's like... Wink, wink, wink.
3: And then he just starts playing a random song until the police show up, and they take away this wine. He Starts playing a man. random song. Oh, my name's Speedy.
1: <laughs> and I'm gonna be
3: your best friend.
1: <laughs> speedy, why are you singing this song to me? I don't know uh, any Speedy. Not Speedy around here.
3: Uh, but as the... And this is... One of those moments that I just want, uh, we've, we've all been clamoring for a talisman adaptation into a <laughs> film or a series, like a lot of people have. And this is one of those scenes that I think would be so hilarious, because the cops load him up, and as he's pulling away, Jack's watching him go, and Snowball Speedy turns and like winks at him from the police car and moves <laughs> on, like, what is happening? <laughs> Who are you? But deep down, he knows it's speedy somehow. So Jack has been hitchhiking some more and he's at a rest station waiting for the person he got out of the car with to leave so he can safely go back out and hitch a new ride.
0: He's had a rough go. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the times he hitches. Yeah.
3: yeah. And he's just about to go back out for a ride when Morgan Sloat's BMW pulls in and the only escape he can think of is he needs to flip back to the territories. So he's hiding in the woods, he takes a drink, he flips back, and all of a sudden he finds himself in front of a six-foot-five figure who is herding cow-sheep creatures? And, and what, he's, are they,
1: what does he call them? Creep. Slunks. Oh,
3: yeah. Creeps. Creeps, that's right. yes. <laughs> oh,
0: he's as good at words as I am.
3: <laughs> and he momentarily freezes because he is positive. It's the Elroy thing in bib overalls. And the figure turns around and he sees these bright orange eyes and then a surprisingly cheerful smile with a lot of teeth. And we meet Wolf right here and now. (laughs) I I love him deeply. Oh, Wolf is the best.
0: I do too. I prefer- You said that
3: with some hesitation that makes me worry about your next sentence. I
0: prefer to read about Wolf then listen. Yes, because in the audiobook it's like blah, 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 wolf, wolf, blah, 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 wolf, wolf, wolf. And it's tiring. <laughs> I will say
3: the the voice of Wolf in my head is not the voice that Frank Moeller does.
0: He doesn't really do any voices.
3: Yeah, he does. I, I think would so. say he does. Yeah. They all sound like Frank Moeller. I, I guess that's
0: what I mean. I'm not criticizing it because you can tell it's a different character, mm. but it...
3: Do we yeah. do we need to listen to his performance as Osmond to convince you that there's other <laughs> voice
0: That's problematic. So no, we do not. Yeah. <laughs>
3: uh, so Wolf is super excited to meet a new person. The, he shake hands, shakes hands with all of the gusto in the world, which made me think that if Wolf did have a twinner, he, it's Tom Cullen. Uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to. Big, big Tom Cullen energy, which Goes made without me saying. love him immediately. Yeah, yeah. He's a werewolf. Yeah. Turns into a werewolf when he yeah, sees the M- <laughs> Le- <laughs> Yes.
0: The fact that he's a werewolf just fascinates me about the territories. It's,
3: I love that he oh. says, like, are you are you a werewolf? And he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. <gasps> and I know your dad. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, how's Phil doing? Oh. What? But,
1: <laughs> and
0: he, he's, Described as being simple, of course, but he um recognizes by Jack's face. He's like, "Oh man, I'm sorry. He's dead, isn't he? <laughs> I shouldn't have asked you how he was doing." But this is this is also where we find out that Wolf had siblings, and Morgan stole one of his sisters. Jesus,
3: stole some of us. They he stole yeah. plural.
0: Um. I don't remember how that plays out, but I can't help but think of like weird human trafficking situation. Mm -hmm. And it's I hate this guy.
3: Yeah. The the fact that he calls first of all, he name drops Phil and then he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Jack. Jack has not said his name. Mm -hmm. And he's like, how how do you know this? And he's like, oh, you smell the same. That's easy. Like I love that when it's so simple for Wolf, he's like, "Yeah, duh." You
1: <laughs> yes, just- <laughs> I, I I agree with UCM that I this is like my favorite point. Th- this is when Wolf shows up. I think is the point when the book takes off. This yeah. is the
0: heart of the book. Yes,
1: absolutely. And I I just love. I I wish there were slightly more of mm. the because we didn't even mention the the guys in the sky. Yeah, uh, that he just walking down the road. There's a real long segment about him just watching some dudes with wings do a dance,
3: just jump off a and tower, he just and talks do about synchronized how neat it is. It's yeah. great. <laughs> it's fucking great. I wish there was more of that. Yeah. More monsters, please. Yes. This section where we're reading ends with Wolf explaining that he also knew Morgan. the... You know, Morgan stole some of us, and then he, they knew he was bad. They could sense he was bad. And then Wolf starts howling. And that is where we leave off for this section of the reading. How do you guys feel revisiting the Talisman? A, How is this hitting you?
0: What a place to leave off. As soon as I got to that part, I was like, dang, like, kind of a cool way to end the episode. And then I kept reading. And <laughs> I think I brought some of my frustration from what they are going to be experiencing next. Into this episode (laughs)
3: because
0: it hurts so much.
3: Do either of you, besides what you've read ahead, CM, do do you guys remember much else after this? I remember very little.
0: I I remember elements like scenes from a movie, but no mm -hmm, real meaning mm -hmm. of the book. So I'm going to be along for that. I
1: I remember a pit and gargoyles. I don't. don't, So I'm very excited. Yeah.
0: I remember a dark tower reference. Mm. Ooh. I think or i'm confusing it with something else there is like the talisman black house and there are a few other books around that same time that kind of get like jumbled in my head yeah
3: i remember like a train or like carts on a track Hmm. that's some just some abstract thing i know is somewhere here
0: well we'll find out soon enough because that is it for this episode of dairy public radio as always thank you for listening join us next episode where we will be reading through part three of the talisman for joshua khan and benjamin graham i'm cm alexander reminding you be bigger than your burden hey everyone cm alexander here thank you for listening to the talisman part one we hope you enjoyed it let us know what you think of this book so far on our facebook or instagram at dairy public radio or twitter at dairy public and you can send us an email if you like at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our Etsy store, etsy.com slash dairypublicradio for cool merchandise, Stephen King stuff, and dairy stuff. And if you want more content in between episodes, you can always find extra stuff on our Patreon page, search Dairy Public Radio. We release a special episode every month, and we sometimes release episodes early there. We have all kinds of rewards for every tier. Be sure to check that out. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.